First, I want to give reverence to the Father. Son Jesus, the Holy Spirit. Let's give a hand clap for uh, Pastor Hudson. Can we do that? Amen. We want to honor all of the uh, pastors who are here. Praise the Lord. Let's give all of them a hand clap too. I want to make you think about something. This is not really my message, but I, I want to make you think about something. What if I was to suggest to you, I, you know, we, we, we talk about the, um, the Feast of Israel, and in reality, it's not the Feast of Israel, it's the Feast of the Lord. And uh, the Hebrew word for feast means appointed times. And there are seven major appointed times of the Lord. And the first one, as you know, is Passover. And uh, Paul goes on to say, you know, that Christ, your Passover lamb, was slain for you. But notice now, it was a lamb for a house. And, you know, a house, you know, represented... Individual families, individual persons, individual names. And of course, they had to kill the blood. They had to kill the lamb, the spotless lamb, the pure lamb, the righteous lamb, the holy lamb, and then put the blood up. And then they were covered by the blood, and so uh, they were not touched or not judged. And I think that that's very interesting. But then you have to ask yourself a question. Why do you have the Day of Atonement where the high priest goes in and as a result of what the high priest does, all of Israel is forgiven? very interesting, isn't it? 
in light of the fact that if you turn to, and I do want you to turn there because you need to see this with your own eyes. If you turn to Zechariah, the prophet, And uh, you can go to chapter 12. And I'm going to explain another aspect of the Day of Atonement to, uh, to let you know something. And then we'll get right into our message. But Zechariah 12 begins, verse 1, an oracle. The word of the Lord concerning Israel, thus says the Lord who stretched out the heavens and founded the earth and formed the human spirit within. See, I'm about to make Jerusalem a cup of reeling for all the surrounding peoples. It will be against Judah also in the siege against Jerusalem. And on that day, everybody said on that day. I will make Jerusalem a heavy stone for all the peoples. All who lift it shall grievously hurt themselves. And all the nations of the earth shall come together against Jerusalem. On that day, says the Lord, I will strike every horse with panic and its rider with madness. But on the house of Judah, I will keep a watchful eye when I strike every horse of the peoples with blindness. Then the clans of Judah shall say to themselves, the inhabitants of Jerusalem have strength through the Lord of the holy armies, their God. On that day, I will make the clans of Judah like a blazing pot on a pile of wood with a flaming torch among sheaves. And they shall devour to the right and to the left all the surrounding peoples, while Jerusalem shall again be inhabited in its place in Jerusalem. And the Lord will give victory to the tents of Judah first, and that the glory of the house of David and the glory of the inhabitants of Jerusalem may not be exalted over that of Judah. Everybody say, on that day. The Lord will shield the inhabitants of Jerusalem so that the weakest among them on that day, everybody say on that day, shall be like David and the house of David shall be like God, like the angel of the Lord at their head. And on that day, everybody say on that day, he says, I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. And notice now on that day, he says, I will pour out a spirit of compassion, prayer, the spirit of grace, okay? and supplications, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. Everybody said, that's a reference to Jesus. And they shall begin to mourn for Jesus as one mourns for his only child and wept bitterly over him as one weeps over a firstborn. Everybody say, on that day. Notice now he says, the mourning in Jerusalem will be as great as the mourning for Hadaraman in the plain of Megiddo, 
the land shall mourn each family by itself, and then it says the family of David, and then it says the wives by themselves, the, fam the house of Nathan, the wives, Levi, and it goes on and on and on. So chapter 13 now. Everybody say, on that day. Hmm. A fountain shall be opened for the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem on that day to cleanse them from sin and impurity. Everybody say, on that day. Look at somebody said, that's some kind of a day. And basically what he's saying is that the Lord's going to do something for Israel and, Israel and in Israel in that day. Isn't that what it's saying? Okay. A fountain shall be opened. Huh. Now, if you turn to the book of Romans, chapter 11, We'll start with, oh, verse 25. Romans chapter 11, verse 25. I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. Next verse. And so, what's it say? All Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Everybody say, on that day. The prophet Isaiah said, shall a nation be born in a day. What if, what if the day of atonement, and by the way, the feast are rehearsals, is a prophecy that one day, in one day, Jesus will reveal himself to the sons of Israel and they'll see Jesus as their Messiah and all Israel will get saved in a day. Passover is individual. The Day of Atonement is national. What if all Israel in that day recognizes Jesus as the great high priest who ever lives to make intercession to save? Does that make you think? Or just think about it. Look at somebody say, just think about it. Look at somebody say, Jesus is a mighty savior. He's a mighty healer. And he's a mighty deliverer. All right, now I think we can. I just thought I'd mention that to you. Um, there are other scriptures we could go over, but uh, I'm not going to do that right now. 
Okay, well, let's get started. Turn to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4. Oh, anybody here tonight happening to hear me for the first time? Raise your hands in person. Praise the Lord. Keep your hands up. I want to count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Praise the Lord. Or more. Okay, Matthew chapter 4. We'll start with verse 23. Something very familiar. And Jesus went about through all, went through all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues. First thing Jesus did was teach. Number two, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. Okay. Keep your finger there. And turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to look at verse number 9. The middle part of the verse, or the latter part of the verse, it says, to another, gifts of healing by the same spirit. Actually, in original language, it's gifts of plural of healings, plural, by the Holy Spirit. Then, you're in the same chapter, and uh, I'll start with verse 27. Uh, now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of the body of Christ, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then Workers of miracles or deeds of power, then gifts of, everybody say gifts of healing. Verse 30, do all possess gifts of healings? And by the way, it's gifts, plural, of healings, plural. So now let's take a look at uh, what we have here in uh, Matthew 4. Because it says that Jesus was curing every disease and every sickness among the people. So the fame of Jesus spread throughout all Syria, and they brought to Jesus all the sick who were afflicted with various diseases. Okay, now, here's what I want to say to you. There is a separate gift of healing for each category of disease. So there's a gift of healing for bone diseases. A gift of healing for blood diseases, a gift of healing for skin diseases, a gift of healing, for example, for eye issues, a gift of healing for ear issues, a gift of healing for glandular diseases. Everybody say different gifts of healings. <laughs> so, um, This is why, historically speaking, you could have the ministry of an evangelist, and this person may have a very strong gift of healing for the deaf, even to the point that 
90% of who they pray for that are deaf hear, but cannot get a single blind person healed. There's a brother, his name is uh, Peter Gammon. He was on Sid's program. He had a real strong ministry assigned gift in the area of the deaf. I mean, he might pray for 50 deaf people in a row, all 50 here, because he has a gift. Um, how many of you have ever heard of Heidi Baker? Raise your hands. Heidi, I think, has had 100% success in Mozambique with all deaf people. It's a gift of healing for the deaf. You might have somebody else who has extremely high rate of healing for the blind or eye problems, right? To one is given by the Spirit a gift of healing, okay? Now, um, so there's various gifts of healings for various diseases. The next scripture going back to first, uh, going back to Matthew 4, I think it's 23, says, Jesus healed these different diseases. And so what does that mean for you and me? You and I, what we need to pray for is gifts of healings for various diseases. You know, what if we had a congregation of people and one person had a gift of healing for eye problems, another person for the deaf, another person for, for stomach issues or abdominal issues, somebody else had it for, for skin problems, even acne, and, and somebody else had it for dental issues, and somebody else had it for whatever, whatever. And if somebody came in with a problem, you say, well, just go see Sister Lucy. <laughs> How many of you hear what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, you almost don't even have to have faith. I mean, she got it as a gift. How many of you hear what I'm saying? Okay, so uh, verse 24, healing all manner of sickness, all manner of disease. And torments, the Greek word for torments, by the way, means pains. And it re the Greek reference is really a gift of healing for trauma, including post-traumatic stress syndrome. Trauma. Mental in injuries. Emotional injuries. Physical injuries. All kinds of trauma and pain. Then there's a gift of healing uh, for supernatural diseases, daimonitia. In other words, it's diseases that are caused by the activity of a spirit of infirmity. Now, you can go to the doctor all you want, but if you've got a supernatural disease, it's going to take a supernatural cure by Jesus Christ. So they can take out the cancer, guess what, it's coming back. Right? And so um, one of the issues is, is we're trying to heal things that need to be ex expelled and things that need to die. Right? So when you're talking about supernatural diseases, you're talking about demon activity. And you're talking about, everybody say, evil life, evil spirit. Now this is going to be viruses, bacterias, fungi. You get the point. So then when the evil spirit's cast out, the disease dries up and dies. You have to believe till it's dead. Mm -hmm. 
Does that make sense to you? Okay. I'm just going to walk you through this. Uh, lunatic. In the Greek, the word there is moonstruck. And it actually refers to, guess what? Mental illnesses. Okay? So, there's a gift of healing for depression. There's a gift of healing for anxiety disorder. There's a gift of healing for manic depressive illness or bipolar illness. There's a gift of healing for alcoholism, drug addiction. How many of you get the point? Okay. So we need to pray for gifts of healings for mental illnesses. Okay. Then there's a gift of healing for, everybody say palsy, nerve problems, paralysis. Now, here's what's interesting, and I'll just sort of mention this because it's just curious. Turn to Acts chapter 8. Okay, let me just say this because um, it's, it'll be interesting. Acts chapter 8. We will start with verse 4. Now those who were scattered went from place to place. There was a persecution of the church. And they went everywhere preaching the word. Next verse. And uh, this was not Philip the apostle. This was Philip the deacon. The way, way we know it was Philip the deacon is because later on he's called Philip the evangelist as opposed to Philip the apostle. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah, or Jesus, to them. And the people with one accord gave heed to those things which Philip spoke, hearing and seeing, everybody say, the miracles. Now, when you're looking at the ministry of the evangelist, you're looking at the gifts of healings and the working of miracles, but to a limited degree. Here's how you know this is true, because he's the picture of the New Testament evangelist. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with what? Palsies and that what? Lame were healed. So Philip, as an evangelist, had a special gifts of healings for those in the Greek, lost control of their limbs, which had to do with muscle diseases and nerve diseases, and anybody who was lame. Did other people get healed? Yes. But what was pronounced is these two areas of healings. Now, if you ever become acquainted with true, pure evangelists, this holds true. Pure, true evangelists are only concerned about <laughs> four things in total. Number one, getting people saved to come to Jesus. Number two, getting people delivered from demons. Number three, bringing some healing to the sick. And number four, teaching people how to do those three things. Okay. Now, what has happened in this current age here in the West is we have men and or women who pick some part of the ministry of the evangelist to highlight. For example, um, if you were to talk to 
Joel Osteen. Joel Osteen would say to you if you were a pastor, because he has said it to pastors before, he would say, you know the Bible better than me. Joel Osteen knows he has a motivational gift. He's an exhorter, Romans 12 exhorter. He knows that he's a motivational speaker. He knows that if he preaches the message of hope, people will like him. If he goes to a city, sinners will come out to hear him. He will preach Jesus as Savior. And if he has 15,000 people there, and 10,000 of them are sinners, it's likely that about 9,000 of them are going to get up and receive Jesus as Savior. And he will talk to pastors, and he will say, give me the list of your churches, your addresses, so when these folk get saved, we can send them to your churches. And I'm out of here. So, he, you know, whether you agree with him, in terms of what he doesn't preach or what he doesn't say or not. He, he, he is a love evangelist. Everybody say love evangelist. So he's going to try not to offend anybody, right? I mean, you know, he's, he, he is not a David Wilkerson. David Wilkerson was a prophet. He was a Jeremiah kind of prophet. That worker said was basically going to say, just like Leonard Rivenhill or David Rivenhill, he's going to say basically if you don't repent, you're going to bust hell wide open. <laughs> but that's, that's the kind of prophet he is. Right? So I used to really, really be upset with Joel Osteen because he was not in your face enough. I wanted to, no, nah, no, nah, you didn't see and you're going to hell. Nah, you know. <laughs> I'm not defending him. I'm not saying that I agree with everything he says and does. I personally don't listen to him. He doesn't have a message for me. Okay? But are there people who are coming to Jesus as a result of his smile, his message of hope, his kindness, his openness, his acceptance. And the answer has to be what? Yes. So is, is that good? Everybody say yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, let me say this. <laughs> uh, can I just be straight with you? All right. I got saved in the Baptist church. Everybody say the Baptist church. Okay? Now, my dad was a Baptist pastor for 25 years. I got filled with the Holy Spirit through the laying on of hands of an assembly of God minister in the church vestibule, not when the service was going on, because I was friends with his son, spoke in tongues. But I ended up in Koji. Koji, Church of God in Christ, which is basically a black version of the assembly of God but with a stronger emphasis on holiness, where they basically going to say, and in the old time, holiness or what? Hell. Right? Right? So, and if the truth be told, they right. 
Because the Bible says, be holy for the Lord your God is holy. Be holy in all manner of life. Follow holiness without which no man will see the Lord. Now, I'm not koji. But I do believe in holiness because it's preached in the Bible. Right? So if you were koji, you would look at the traditional Baptists and you would have a problem with them. You may even doubt that they saved. But may I submit to you that if in the, here in the United States, if any church group has gotten folks saved, it has been the Baptist. I'm not Baptist either. I'm for the Baptist. I'm for the Koji. I'm for the Assembly. I'm for the non-denominational, which is a denomination because it's full gospel. That's funny. That's how we say that. Right? Ah. Ah. Somebody will say, were you Jesus only? No, I'm Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Am I going to argue with you about baptism? No, because would you like to know how I baptized? Say yes. yes. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, all in Jesus' name. You going under, you coming up. So if you a member where I done baptize you, if they say you've been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, mm -hmm. you been, no, you need to be baptized in Jesus' name. I was. <laughs> Look at somebody say, we're going to eliminate the controversy. And if you're oneness, if you got Jesus, look at somebody say, you got the Father, and you got the Holy Ghost. How many of you hear what I'm saying? Okay. You know. Ah. <laughs> I don't know how I got off on that, but I sure had a good time. <laughs> the point that I'm making is that the New Testament evangelists, sometimes we pick, me being part of the body of Christ, is we pick. Another guy, man, he'll cast out all kinds of devils. Another guy, he ministers healing. Everybody say, the New Testament evangelists. Pure, salvation, healing, deliverance, teaching people how to do those three things. So Jesus, though he was an apostle, a prophet, a pastor, teacher, as an evangelist, he brought healing. But as an apostle, he brought healing in different areas. Okay, so now let me back up. How many of you enjoying the word? Okay. So then it raises this question. Okay. What is a prophet? Okay. All right. Um, let's just touch that. All right. When you're looking at scripture, you look at um, degrees of prophets, categories of prophets, ranks of prophets. Jesus was, everybody say, the prophet. So Jesus was the highest rank of prophet that there is. After that, you have to look at, everybody say, old covenant prophets. Look at somebody say, and they were 100% correct. And everybody say, and they wrote scripture. Okay, so that's, everybody said that's rank number two. 
Rank number three is, everybody say, New Testament prophets. You know, you have New Testament prophets. You, you got to call Paul a prophet because in Antioch 3, it said there were certain prophets and teachers, and Paul is listed, he and Barnabas. Right? So you have New Testament prophets. Everybody say New Testament prophets. Level three. Then you say prophets today. Everybody say level four. Because, I mean, you have to call Peter a prophet also. You have to call James the half-brother of Jesus who wrote the, wrote the letter of James. You have to call Jude the half-brother of Jesus. Even though they were apostles, they were also prophets because they sure did prophesy. Look at somebody say, and it's coming to pass. Okay, so now, we think, this is what we do, we think just because somebody got a good word of knowledge, you know, I can tell you, you know, what happened yesterday, you know, by the word of knowledge, because word of knowledge is revelation knowledge about a person, place, or thing, past or present. Or if I got a word of wisdom, what you shouldn't do or should do in the future. I got a prophecy. I can tell you what God is saying or what's going to happen in the future. We say, ooh, you must be a prophet. Okay. Nah. Look at somebody say, first of all, a true prophet first is saved and knows Jesus. Everybody say, number two, uh, number three. Because being saved and knowing Jesus ain't necessarily the same thing. I mean, you can know Jesus a little bit, and you can know Jesus a lot. Look at somebody say, a prophet knows Jesus more than the average Joe. <laughs> no pun intended, Joe Stevens. <laughs> Elder Joe. Everybody say, first they saved. They, they really know Jesus. Number three, they felt the Holy Spirit. They speak with tongues. Number four, they called him to be a minister. Now, you need to hear this part because this part is important. They are a leader in the local church. Because the office of prophet is governmental. So if a person claims to be a prophet, but they're not a leader tied into a local church, and are not governmental, leading other prophets or pastors or leaders or ministers, as well as people. Look at somebody say, they may have prophetic ministry, but they're not prophets. Just saying. Ephesians 2.20 says that the church is built on the, everybody say, apostles, prophets, Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. Built. So that means that prophets are builders. They're builders of the body of Christ. Okay. How far do y'all want me to go just with this? Okay. One of the uh, prophets that I saw in heaven was the prophet Samuel. You can do with this whatever you want to do with it. It can mess with your theology. I really don't care about your theology. You need to change it. Because <laughs> the person with an experience is never at the mercy of a person with an argument. And uh, 
My supernatural encounters changed my theology. Because when I met the prophet Samuel, he actually spoke to me because God told him to. And he said, God is going to show you some of the secrets of the series. And I had a problem with Samuel talking to me, as well as Peter, Paul, Enoch, and Noah. It goes on. So I took my case to God because this is an issue because I don't believe in this. So anyway, the Lord's response to me was he referred me to when John was in the spirit. And there was a book that was uh, closed that no one could open it. And he was weeping because nobody could open it. And not one of the angels, but one of the 24 elders said to John, stop crying for the lion of the tribe of, of Judah has prevailed to open the book. How many of y'all know that's in the Bible? Y'all don't know. I'll show it to you, even though it's going to take time. Turn the book of Revelation. Hallelujah. Let's, let's start with chapter 4, verse 1. After this I looked, and there was a door stood open in heaven. First voice which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, I'll show you what must take place. At once I was in the spirit, and there in heaven there stood a throne. Okay, so now you're in chapter 5, verse 1. Then I saw in the right hand of the one seated upon the throne, God the Father, a scroll written, on the inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals, and I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to break its seals? No one in heaven, on earth, or under the earth was able to open the scroll and look into it, and I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and look into it. Then one of the elders said to me, What elders is he referring to? He's referring to the 24 elders in chapter 4, Verse 9, when the living creatures gave glory and honor and thanks to the one who's seated on the throne who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall before the one who's seated and worship the one who lives forever. They cast their crowns before the throne. Hmm. You don't see angels with crowns. Okay. So then, back to uh, chapter, uh, chapter 5, verse 5. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, that's Jesus, the root of David, has conquered so he can open the scroll and his seven seals. Look at somebody says, an elder spoke to the apostle and to the prophet. Okay, so now go to chapter 7, verse 9. This is the stuff the Lord told me to help me understand why this stuff was going on in my own experience because I needed an explanation, you know, because, you know, it was contrary to my theology. Look at somebody say, your theology needs some help. Because, see, you think these folk are dead. Look at somebody say, they're more alive than you. <laughs> eh, we ain't talking about, you know, you seeking to communicate with the dead. Look at somebody say, you in the realm of heaven. Now, when you're there, well, that's a whole other thing. After this, verse 9, I looked. There was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from all tribes, peoples, languages, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, 
robed in white with palm branches in their hands and cried out with a loud voice saying, Salvation belongs to our God who seated on the throne to the Lamb. All the angels stood around the throne, all the elders and the four living beings. They fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, singing, singing, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Then everybody say, one of the elders said, who are these <laughs> robed in white? Where have they come from? And I said to him, sir, you're the one who knows. Then he said to me, these are they who have come out of great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Hmm. Interesting. Everybody said, that's very interesting. So then, if that wasn't enough, after the Lord pointed that out to me, Turn to, uh, oh, let's go to, let's go to Luke. Mm, let's see, where in Luke should we go? Let's go to the ninth chapter of Luke. Let's start with verse 28. Now, about eight days after what Jesus was saying, there's some standing here who should not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. Jesus took with him Peter, John, and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw uh, two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to Jesus. Wait, look at somebody say, they saw Moses. They saw Elijah talking to Jesus. Now, what's Jesus doing talking to dead people? Unless they're alive. They appeared in glory and started talking to Jesus about his upcoming departure. Ah. Which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. And then there's this really interesting scripture that God pointed out to me, which had mystified me for years. It talks about after Jesus was resurrected, it says many of the bodies of the saints which had died after Jesus was resurrected, everybody said they came back to life. Then the Bible says they went into the city and appeared to many. Well, now after the father said that to me, I said, case closed. Whoever you want to have talk to me can talk to me. Look at somebody say, it's Bible. So no, I don't seek to talk to Peter or Paul or James. No, I want to talk to the Father. I want to talk to Jesus. But if I'm in the realm of heaven and the Father says, Elijah, talk to Tony, I'm all is. How far you want to go? Are you enjoying the word? Okay, then let me tell you one. Let me tell you five secrets of the series. Just five. Trust me, there's many. Um, Samuel um, was a prophet. He was governmental. So you have, everybody say, the gift of prophecy. Look at somebody say, you have prophetic gifting. Everybody say, prophesy, comfort, edification, exhortation. 1 Corinthians 14. So that's general prophecy and prophetic gifting. Then you have prophetic ministry. It's much more specific. Then you have the office of the prophet. Right? So to be, now, now Samuel is a pivotal prophet in the nation of Israel because he started, he started the institution of the kings and the school of the prophets. And to be in Samuel's school of the prophets, this really 
talks about ministries, training. There were five things you had to do. Everybody say five. five. Would you like to know what number one was? You had to learn the Pentateuch or the Torah verbatim. Look at somebody say, you had to know the word and you had to obey the word. Look at somebody say, the focus of the man of God was knowing and doing and teaching the word. Jesus said, those of you who do and, no, those of you who do and teach the commandments, everybody say, shall be called great. Look at somebody say, first you know it, you do it, then you teach. And in the Hebrew, yada, don't, okay, to know in, okay, Hebrew is 22 letters, it's a verb language, and to know in Hebrew means to do. So if you can't do it or you don't do it, you don't know it. In English, you have a word for hear and you have a word for obey. In Hebrew, you do not. If you hear, you obey. If you don't obey, you didn't hear. Guess that. That's why in Acts 1, flip up Acts 1 for me. Acts 1, verse 1. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, which means God lover, of all that Jesus began to what? Do and what? The Hebrew mind says whatever you do, you're qualified to teach. See, the problem that you and I have is we are, middle, we're, we are Westerners reading a Middle Eastern book. Here in the United States, I can, have, I can have my doctorate in business administration, but I've never started a business, owned a business, operated a business, managed a business. I can teach you business administration. Look at somebody say, the Hebrew mind don't work like that. This is why they 2% of the population in the West and they have 40% of the wealth. Because that guy who's teaching you, if he's Hebrew, he done owned the business, operated the business, managed the business, made a million, made some millions. Look at somebody say, he does. He does. And then he teaches. Hence the statement, those who can't do, no, the statement here in the West, those who can't do, teach. Because we're based upon the Greek culture, which means that you know it if you can parrot Polly Wanna Cracker, if you can recite it. Hebrew culture is you don't know it till you can what? Do it. So number one, they had to know the word and do the word. Number two, <laughs> this is interesting, they had to master a musical instrument. Would you like to know what that represented? Everybody say, worship. What it corresponds to, if you're going to be a minister today, whether you're licensed, ordained or not, and every member of the body of Christ ought to be a minister. Everybody say, know the word, do the word. James 1 and 22, be a doer of the word. <laughs> right? Okay. And you're to be a worshiper. Why? Because the Father seeks Worship. He seeks worshipers. Look at somebody say, you're supposed to worship the Father. Look at somebody say, you're supposed to worship Jesus. Now, obviously, I'm talking about ministry. I've expanded it to all of us who do ministry. 
but I'm still talking about the ministry of the prophet. So a prophet's going to do the word, and he's going to teach the word. He's going to be a worshiper. He's going to teach people how to worship. Because worship has to do with your intimacy and your personal knowledge of Jesus and the Father. Still with me? Okay? Now, because um, somehow the rhythm gene is missing from my body, I'm an African-American with no rhythm, I would have had to master supernaturally the tambourine. Number three, you had to study the poetry and the prose in the writings of Moses. You may say, why? Because it had to do with language. Why? Because it had to do with you understanding how God talks to you. Because how God talks to you may not be the same way he talks to me. Okay, see, y'all going to make me really teach up in here. I'm going to go here. Uh, turn to Hebrews 5. I, I might as well go here. Look at somebody say, this is going to be an interesting healing meeting. But I have this philosophy that when people come to church, they ought to at least learn something every now and then. Hebrews 5, verse 14. But solace food is for the mature, for those whose faculties, spiritual senses, have been trained by practice to discern good from evil. Okay. Everybody say spiritual senses. Okay. Now, can I be educational just for a minute? Okay. There's something called neuro-linguistic programming, short version NLP. Neuro is brain. Programming is language. No. Programming is um, linguistic is language. Programming is sequence. Everybody in this room has a brain language sequence. It comes out in our communication. For example, you may be talking to me and I may say, I see what you're saying. So I'm, pro I'm receiving the information visually. There are people, by the way, all parents and grandparents ought to study your kids and grandkids because some people are visual learners, right? Picturesque speech. Then there's auditory. I hear you. Did you hear me? Sound. Don't speak to me in that tone of voice, right? Then they're kinesthetic. Everybody say feeling people. All of us have a sequence. For example, if I ask you a question related to your past, you may look up and see what happened. Then you might hear what they said, and then there might be the associated feeling. Or you might feel the feeling first. Then you might hear the words, and then you might see the picture. Everybody say brain language sequence. Now, what is this about? However you are wired naturally is how you're going to be wired spiritually. Okay. So, Sears, C-H-O-C-E-H, -E as opposed to prophets, Nabe, N-A-B-H-I or N-A-B-I apostrophe, Sears have a receptive function of seeing. They're visual people. Everybody say a picture is worth a thousand words. If you are a visual person, you learn best when you see it. You're the ones who are going to have the dreams. You're the one that's going to have the visions. You're the one that's going to have the trances. And God, if he communicates with you, and if you're really, really prophetic, that's how it's going to come to you. Some of y'all, mm-mm, you are not that visual. 
You're auditory. And you see it in the prophets and the teachers. Because when the prophet's been auditory, this is what he says. And the word of the Lord came to me saying. When he's being visual, God says to the prophet Jeremiah, what do you see? When is a real seer type function, like, uh, like Ezekiel, he says, and the word of the Lord came to me and I saw. When it's kinesthetic, <laughs> Jeremiah says, and the Lord gave me knowledge of it. In other words, you know it suddenly out of nowhere, didn't see it, didn't hear it. All of a sudden it's just there. So if you're a real kinesthetic, you may not be a dreamer, hardly ever. You ready? Those who don't dream are not less spiritual than those who do dream. I am not impressed. Okay. Boy, this is going to. I'm going to kick a sacred cow out of the country. I am not impressed with somebody who says to me, and I heard the audible voice of the Lord. All you're telling me is you deaf. You couldn't get it through the written scripture. You couldn't get it through the man of God or the woman of God preaching and teaching. You couldn't get it through the inner witness of peace. You couldn't get it in a dream or a, a vision of the night. You couldn't, you couldn't even get it by the angel of the Lord. God to go, God's got to say, Tony! You ain't spiritual, you deaf. And before you think I'm criticizing people who have heard the audible voice of the Lord, I'm one of them who have. I was deaf. I mean, audible, like you hearing me. I just deaf. Boy, now that person ain't so spiritual, are they? You ready? So if you don't have visions, you're not any less spiritual than the person who does. The person who has visions ain't more spiritual than you. It's just that that's how they get their revelation. Some of us, we're feeling people. So, um, there's a guy's name, Paul Cox. He's a feeler. He's not a seer. Anybody here ever heard of Paul Cox out of California? Anybody? You have. The guy can. Angel can stand right here. He can put his hand up. There's the angel. So I was there with a prophet, I think. His name was uh, Bruce Allen. Bruce Allen's a seer. So they, both these guys are in the same meeting. Bruce Allen sees the angel right here. Paul Cox walks up and says, yeah, the angel's just right here. Look at somebody say, it don't matter if you see it, hear it, feel it, or smell it. Look at somebody say, as long as you get the revelation of it. But even naturally, you ought to study your kids and your grandkids. Because, see, I was an average student until I figured out, <clears throat> man, I could take a picture of that. Page 72, paragraph 3, picture. Now, I can go make AIDS, and I did. I didn't hardly ever study, even when I was in grad school. Oh, don't let the way I talk fool you. I'm brilliant. <laughs> I was a who's who academic All-American in college. 
I made straight A's in grad school until I decided to make a B. Because what's the point of making another A? What's the point of perfection? I asked the professor, I said, if I don't show up for the final, what grade you going to give me? He says, B. I said, you won't see me. What's the point? Because once Jesus showed me how I learned. And some people, they have to see it, and then they have to do it. And once they do it, look at somebody and say, they got it. So you need to understand how you learn. So if you're a person who ain't audio, and you got a teacher that speaks like this. That student's going to have problems with that teacher. Everybody say the language of God. So that's letting you know how the Lord talks to you. Number four, the sons of the prophets lived together. And one of the things that Samuel taught them was that you had to be a team player. Look at somebody say, you had to be able to walk with other people and work with other people. Now, man, if you can't walk with other folk and you can't work with them, look at somebody and say, you need healing. Fourth thing they had to do, and I could walk you through scripture on this, but I'm not going to take the time because I'll never get where I want to go. You can just look it up for yourself. Is they had to prophesy under the leadership of Samuel. And even when you see Samuel, <laughs> when Samuel gives a prophecy to Saul and says, you're going to come to a company of prophets, they got musicians. They, they got music there. Okay? So everybody say, number one, know the word. Do the word. Teach the word. Everybody say, number two, worship the Father and worship Jesus. Everybody say, number three, know the language of God, how he talks to you. Everybody say, number four, be able to walk with people and work with people. Everybody say, number five, follow delegated authority. So this is what Samuel taught. Now, how do you know this is true? Well, David was one of Samuel's spiritual sons. He, Samuel anointed him to be king, and he was a prophet. If you read the writings of David, you know he understood the Torah, and he put the Torah into practice. Everybody say, he knew the word. He knew the word. David was a, everybody say, a worshiper. He was called the sweet singer of Israel. He didn't just play the harp. He played what was, it was an instrument that was like pipes. He understood the language of God. He knew how God talked to him. David was somebody who could work with others. He worked with Jedithan. He worked with Haman. He worked with Asaph. He worked with Nathan. He worked with Gad. All you got to do is just look at 1 Chronicles 25. And he was definitely in submission to authority to Saul who was trying to kill him and to Samuel. Everybody said, you got to be able to work with people. So, the ministry of the prophet. Okay, okay. Now, you ready? This will mess you up. A man is not necessarily a false prophet if he gives a prophecy that fails. Because all personal prophecy 
the individuals is conditional on your faith, on your obedience, on your patience. Okay? That's why Paul said some prophecies will do what? Fail. A man is not necessarily a true prophet because everything he says comes to pass. Balaam's prophecies, every single one came to pass. But he was a soothsayer because his prophecies were all about the money. Now, let me just speak for myself. Pastor Hudson is not responsible for what I'm fixing to say. Look at somebody say, this is all on Pastor Tony. I personally don't believe in $25 lines, $50 lines, $100 lines, money for prophecy. Just saying. In my view, it's called merchandising the anointing. Freely you have what? Receive freely what? So I'm going to give you the word of the Lord whether you well, yeah, if, whether you like it or not, because <laughs> I'm a little bit prophetic. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I can be just sweet, but it's under the anointing. Or I can just have me. It'll be under the anointing, too. <laughs> I've done both. Trust me, you should believe it. Ah. Ah, that's funny. I'm going to leave that alone. I'm trying to move on now. Everybody say, so you got to be a leader. Okay. Okay, I think I'll touch something else and I'll try to get back on the subject of healing. But this will be interesting to you. This will explain a mystery. One of the persons I met in heaven was uh, the prophet Noah. <laughs> ah, I'll talk a little bit about Noah. Noah was very interesting. He had a really, really long beard. Like, you see those guys at the Wailing Wall? He had one of them real long. And he was, he was not a big guy. He was, um, was kind of like you. Strong, but lean. Let me explain a mystery to you. This will explain a whole lot. You got to ask yourself this question. These animals that God supernaturally preserved, not all of them were where Noah was from. So that means God had to translate some animals to be in front of the ark. Some were by sevens and some were by twos. And they marched in. Look at somebody say it was almost an Eden manifestation. Then the Bible says that when every, all the animals was in, Noah was in, his family was in, the Bible says that God closed the door. Have you ever asked yourself, how did Noah stand the noise? How are you going to feed all them? How are you going to do waste for all them? Want me to explain it to you? Say, explain it to me, Pastor. God put everybody into hibernation. Every animal, every creeping thing, they all went in to hibernation. He didn't have to feed nobody. He didn't have to take care of no waste. Wasn't no noise. Even Adam, I mean, even Noah and his wife 
his family went into hibernation until they got to the end and God woke him up. Just saying. Explains a lot, don't it? Now, you know what's interesting? It's even to this day, some animals still go into what? Okay, I'll try to get back to a message on healing. <laughs> How many of y'all enjoying the word? Okay. Anyway, I say stuff like this here. It doesn't matter whether you believe me or not. When you get to heaven, you'll find out. Uh, the two men who appeared to Jesus, um, let me start with, with Elijah, who personally for me is my favorite. I really love him. He's really, he's got a great sense of humor. Um, let me describe him to you. When you get there, you'll, you'll find out. He's very, a very fascinating individual. Um, he looks ancient and youthful at the same time. I don't understand it myself. How can you look ancient and yet have this youth to you at the same time? He has a long, flowing beard. He has kind of high cheekbones. He has eyes that twinkle with the joy of the Lord, but they're still on fire and flame for God to get his just glory. He really does have a hairy chest. And I have to be careful how this, he says this, just in case he's listening. When he was on earth, it looked like he didn't miss many meals. <laughs> Look at somebody say he was well taken care of by God. Moses, on the other hand, was built with his salt and pepper hair. He was built. So <laughs> I'm going to leave that alone. He was built. He was built. He was almost like a machine. You've seen those guys that are in the military that are just... Moses was built. Okay, let's try to get back to the, to the message. How many of you are enjoying the word? Okay. Now, let's, let's, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, let's, go. let's go. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians 12. I'm tr Lord, I'm trying to get back to healing. You know, I'm having issues, Lord. You better, you better help me out. Okay, 1 Corinthians 12. God has appointed in the church, everybody say apostles. 1 Corinthians 12, verse, um, uh, what is that, 28? 1 Corinthians 12, 28. Feel sorry for my guy back there. I guess it's a guy. I can't see but the top of the head. It could be a girl. Is it a guy? Okay, very good. Here, apostles are, everybody say, prototypes. Now, let me just say this. How do you tell the difference between a mature apostle? Okay, you have, okay, let me back up. You have those that are called to be apostles. You have false apostles. You have, um, you have immature apostles, and you have mature apostles. Okay, I'm just being super brief. There's much more to it than that, but. 
How do you tell the difference between an immature apostle and a mature apostle? Here's the, here's the answer to your question. It is a question. Is that apostle on the roof or in the basement? Ephesians 2.20, please. And build upon the what? Where's the foundation? You never look at the foundation and say, man, that's the most beautiful foundation I've ever seen. Okay. Everybody say the foundation supports and holds up everything else. You don't even see the foundation. You're admiring everything above it. Look at somebody and say, the apostles make you look good. Everybody said, the prophets make you look good. Everybody said, Jesus is trying to make you look good. Oh, I should say this. Um, I was notified that uh, um, Friday, Friday night we're going to be at, at a Kingdom of God Tabernacle over there in Warren at 7. I said the meeting was going to be at 11. They changed it to 9 in the morning. Everybody says it's going to be teaching leaders, training leaders. Look at somebody say, if somebody's following you, you're a leader. Look at somebody say, you can come. Now, what I'm going to be teaching there is going to be a little different than what we've been doing. Look at somebody say, it's going to be more heavy. <laughs> so, you know, you just need to be prepared. Then we're going to do a 7 o'clock p.m. service, and then we're going to do Sunday morning and then Sunday night at 6. I've done my announcement. Okay. Okay. There are two legitimate kind of ministries, those that bless and those that build. Look at somebody said, the purpose of the blessing is so you can build. Edify the body of Christ, Ephesians 4. Edify, build, 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 build. Look at somebody said, Jesus said, I will build my church. So apostles and prophets are builders. Teachers and pastors are builders. Evangelists bring people in to salvation so that they can be built. Okay. In the ministry of the apostle, essentially, I'll do this real quick and then I got to shift. Um, you have, you have, Boy, this, I mean, you have all kinds of apostles, just like you have all kinds of prophets. Not all prophets are the same. Not all apostles are the same. You have, for example, um, musical prophets, David, Asaph, Haman, Jonathan, others. You have, um, you know, we call them psalmists, the song of the Lord. Then you have prophets who are, um, um, <coughs> you have prophets that are, um, how shall I put this? They are counselors. You know, God said to Jeremiah, if they had stood in my counsel. Okay? You have prophets that are, um, heavy intercessors and really preach repentance 
and give warnings if you don't, as in Jeremiah. You have prophets who are seers, as in Ezekiel, as in Gath. You have prophets that are dreamers and dream interpreters, as in Joseph. You have prophets who are dreamers, dream interpreters, and seers, as in Daniel. You have prophets that are miracle workers, as in Elijah and Elisha, but also are judges, like Samuel, Elijah, Moses. Everybody says they're not all the same. Okay? You have prophets who are just really just as sweet as they can be. They're going to just bless you, bless you, bless you. Like Barnabas was called a good man and full of the spirit. Ooh, he was so uplifting. Right? Okay. And then you have prophets that are like going to get in your chili. <laughs> These are the guys, if you got sin in your life, don't come before them. They're going to address your sin before they give you any good word. They're going to call you to repentance. <laughs> Tell you who, who you was with, what the name of the hotel was, and what the room was. <laughs> oh, you don't think this? <laughs> hey, listen, I, listen <laughs> I'm going to leave y'all alone. <laughs> I, got, I, got, I, got a, I got a friend of mine called me today. He's originally from Gala. He lived in Miami. So he says to his pastor, he says, your sister is stealing money from you. He said, no, yeah. See, he's stealing money from you. I don't believe that. Okay. He takes out a piece of paper. He writes numbers and letters. He says, ask him for a dollar bill. If the numbers and the letters are in this order, exactly like I wrote it down for you, he's stealing from you. He goes to his assistant and says, this guy says you're stealing from me. I think he's a false prophet. I don't believe a single word he said. Oh, by the way, hand me a dollar bill. Numbers of letters in exact order. The brother was still in. This guy, he called me today. He, he, when he's in the zone, he has a TV screen come down. He'll say, I seen him do it. It was April the 16th, 2007. It was on a Wednesday. Now, you know what people are going to do. They're going to say, that year, that day. And it'll be Wednesday. He'll say to the person, at 4.15 in the afternoon, I knew this person. They had worked with the mafia in Kansas City. They happened to be in court on that day. Oh, y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! They ended up getting saved. In tears, because, you know, anyway, that's a whole... Look at somebody say real specific, real detail. And uh, yeah, he told me, he said, Trump's going to be your next president. And then, of course, you know about Sundar. You know, Sundar got caught up to heaven, right, to the prophet's council meeting. And uh, he heard that Trump was going to be next president. I sat across the table just like this. But his prophet said to me, Trump will be your next president. It was true. That brother be hitting it. He called me today, prophesied to me. <laughs> I'm going to leave y'all alone. 
He really, he really. And then there's guys, there's a guy, I ain't going to mention his name. He's called the chariot rider. <laughs> he's standing right here, and he'll say, I'm not here right now. I'm at your house. While his body is here, he'll describe your front door. He'll describe your front lawn. He'll go in and say, here's where the clock is. There's the color of your curtains. You got two chairs here. You were praying, and this is what you was praying about. And then you got disturbed, and the name of the child that disturbs you is this. And you got another child, and his name is this. And one of them's got a gap in the teeth. And your license plate number is, and the child that was born on this day. And it'll all be right. He called a chariot rider. Whoa, 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 whoa. And he'll say, I'm in the chariot and I'm going faster. Ask me where. They'll say, where? <laughs> ah. Boy, there's some boys out there. Now, you know. So, apostles. Basically, you have, and I'm really, um, you have those that are more wisdom. Everybody say wisdom and administration. Then you say there are those that have power. And then you say there's those that have a combination of both. Okay? Generally, that's what you see. Does that make sense to you? Okay? And so, uh, okay, I'm going to try to shift now. Uh, did I say I was going to try? <laughs> I'm going to really try. Then you have something called a gift mix. Everybody say gift mix. And usually that is uh, you have a primary and you have a secondary. Like, for example, you have some men, they're pastor teachers, prophet teacher, right? Teacher evangelist. Does that make sense to you? A gift mix. You have the one that's your primary, and then you have the one that's kind of secondary. Does that make sense to you? Okay. All right. Um, And some people, they're not going to tell you what they are. They're just going to do what it is they do. Okay? I heard of a guy. <laughs> Look at somebody said, this is pretty far out. I have to stretch y'all every now and then. Um, this guy, um, um, he did not travel by train, plane, or automobile. He, he got transported just like Philip. And this is how they knew he was getting ready to be translated. He would start praying in the spirit. So he, he'd hit about six, seven, eight hours, and all of a sudden he'd disappear and be in another country. I heard of another guy. Like he was going into Germany, didn't speak German. As soon as he saw the language, instantly he could read German, he could speak German, understand German for as long as he was in Germany. As soon as he left Germany, it was gone. Man, say, everybody point this way. Point, 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 point at me. At me, not you, me. <laughs> And say, Lord, Lord, give Pastor Tony the ability to speak languages and understand languages. And say, Lord, translate the brother more. 
I get tired of flying. I won't have to wait at the airport. I won't have to deal with no delays. Did y'all really? Oh, yeah. Lose my luggage? Did y'all really pray for me? Y'all didn't pray for me good enough. Stretch forth your hand this way again, please. Just humor me, brother. Say, Lord, Lord. tongues and interpretation. Translation. Translation. Look at somebody say, translate his fluffy body everywhere. Translate his fluffy body everywhere. Y'all so nice. Nobody said fat body. Y'all said fluffy. I love fluffy people. Okay, I'm a chef now. I know how to chef. <laughs> ah, I need to tell a story. <laughs> Back in the day when I was young, I was a football basketball player. I was pretty good. I was a star. I was always in shape. I was prejudiced against all you fat people. I judged all you fat people. I actually looked at you and said, I don't know how you can get so fat. How many of you know that whoever you judge, that's who you become like? That's why Jesus said, do not judge. With the same measure you judge, you shall be what? Okay? Pastor Brooks, great to see you. So, Pastor Mike, great to see you. So anyway, <laughs> so, and see, this is how we do it. This is how we do it. We say, this is how we, this is how we judge folks. If I was in that situation, I'd never do that. And then we judge them like this. I wonder why they did that. Look at somebody say, within the next year, you're going to find out why they did it. <laughs> so I was pressured against all fat people. And then I became fat. No, no, fat. <laughs> and so my attitude toward fat people changed. So now I'm in Fortune, Texas with my pastor, Rennie McLean, who's a bodybuilder. How many of you know who Rennie is? Raise your hand. That's my pastor. Y'all need to know who Rennie is. No, 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 no. There's only, raise all your hands, all your hands that ever heard Rennie. Look around the room. Ain't hard, y'all don't, y'all need to know my pastor. Let me tell you about my pastor. My pastor's father was Jamaican. His mother was Jewish, which by Jewish law makes him Jewish. He speaks about seven languages. When he's five, he gets saved. When he's seven or eight, He's in his room praying, Lord, I thank you for mommy, daddy. I love you, Lord. Good night. Turns out the light, and then another light comes on, and here comes Jesus with the angelic escort. Next thing he knows, he ain't in his room no more. He's in heaven. And Jesus says to him, watch this, this is my world. And when he says that, a glow comes out of his mouth. And then Jesus says to him, but your world is what comes out of your mouth. Look at somebody say, whatever's in your heart, it's coming out of your mouth. Look at somebody say, you frame your own world. And then Jesus said to him, you know, your mind's not going to be like the mind of other men. I'm going to form and fashion your mind. I've called you to preach to the nations. And all of a sudden he saw lights over all these nations. He's preaching over 80 nations. And then he had a healing ministry when he was 10. He raised his first person from the dead when he was 14. And uh, he was in the, in the UK, he was called the Miracle Man. Well, he and I were together, and I know he lifted weights, and me being fat and all, I wanted him to pray for me and supernaturally lose weight. 
But uh, we was talking about a good friend of his who had passed on, and he said she should still be here. <coughs> she was overweight, and I thought, this is my opening. Will you pray for me to lose weight? You know what his first words out of his mouth was? You got to repent for the way you're eating. Look at somebody say, you need to repent for the way you're eating. And you need to repent. I had to repent for the people that I judged. Look at somebody say, reverse your judgment and see the miraculous. Okay, I'm going to prove this to you. How many of you ever judged somebody within one year you was in the same situation or something similar? Raise your hands high. Look around the room. Let me give you something in Hebrew. Uh, Genesis 12. God said, whoever blesses you, Abraham, I'll bless. Whoever curses you, I'll curse. The word curse in the Hebrew is two different words. Uh, to, to interpret it for you, the first word curse means whoever makes a formula against you. The second word means I'll diminish and reduce into that state. Yeah. Whoever you curse, I will curse. Whoever makes a formula against you will be diminished and reduced into that very state. It's a principle. This is why you do not judge after appearance. You have to judge by what God's word says and by the Holy Spirit and be accurate. It isn't that you don't judge. Look at somebody say it's got to be by the word. And it's got to be by the spirit. And it's got to be true and accurate. Most of the time we don't do that. We just have a superior moment, which was my attitude against fat people. It's interesting that after I became fat, they became fluffy. <laughs> so my pastor says, you got to repent. He stuck his finger in my face, you got to repent. I can repent, man. I can repent. It was on Thursday. So he prays for me. I don't feel nothing because what I got to feel for? Everybody say it's by faith. And nothing happened at the moment he prayed. So what I had to do now, everybody say faith is a fact, but faith is an act. So I went to the store, a Mexican clothing store, and bought me a pair of pants I couldn't get in because I'm going to lose weight. So I flew home. Really couldn't get in on Friday, just a little bit. Got in them Saturday, they was tight. Fit perfectly Sunday morning. Got home Sunday afternoon, boom, they fell off. Supernatural lost 40 pounds. Look at somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. So, I've continued to lose some weight. But I pray for people and they lose weight. She said pray for me. All I got to say to you is what my pastor said to me. <laughs> Look at somebody say, you're going to have to repent. So this is where we're going to start tonight. Are you guys good with it? All right. Okay, good. 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 All right. I want everybody who wants to lose some weight. Now look. If you skinny many and you look like you anorexic, do not stand up. You sit in your seat and trust the Lord. We don't want you to get nobody mad up in here. Everybody who wants to lose some weight, stand up right now.
Now, here's what you have to do. We're going to start with this. This is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. You have to, you have to see how tight your pants are, how, how tight they are on your legs, how tight they are on your behind, how tight that your shirt is or your arms, and you must memorize it. Please do that first. Let me know when you got it memorized. <laughs> ah, you got it memorized? I'm, I'm looking around the room to make sure no anorexic people have stood up. Y'all did so good today. Okay? <laughs> ah. And by the way, we've seen God do supernatural breast reductions too. Do not come to ask me to pray for your stuff to grow. I do not move in that direction. <laughs> Trust me, I have had the request. I refuse. Spend the money. I do pray for reductions because sometimes that eliminates people having back problems and other issues. <laughs> this is a funny story. Sid asked me to talk about supernatural breast reduction one time. I said to him, you will get me in trouble with my wife. And he said, okay, 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 we'll pass on that one. He got a real sense of humor. Sid got a real sense of humor. Okay. How many of you say, Lord, I repent for every judgment that I've made against any person in every area. I reverse my judgment. I repent. I've made judgments. Based upon appearances, that was sin. I didn't know all the facts. I repent, O oh God. Forgive me. I reverse my judgments in Jesus' name. Now, I want you to just praise God for 30 seconds on that. Come on, praise him with your mouth. And I want you to think of the people you judged. Come on, think of them while you're praising God and say, Lord, I reverse that. Lord, I repent of that. Okay, that's number one. Number two. Say, Lord, I repent. For eating contrary to your word and to your will, eating the wrong foods at the wrong times consistently. I know you was telling me not to, but I was led of the flesh. I confess my sin. I repent of it, O oh God. Forgive me. Wash the sin away. Take the sin away. In Jesus' name. It is done. Now lift up your hands and praise God for about 30 seconds. Come on. Come on, praise him. Hallelujah.
Okay, now let's do this. You ready for this part?